Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Monday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes, and this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. Now, there are two ways of finding things out. The easy way, or the focus of today's episode, the hard way. Rafael Ordunia learns that alcohol and allergies do not mix. Lisa Curry discovers her front tooth missing. And I learned the mortifying cost of convincing my mother to purchase a pornographic magazine. But let's not dawdle. First up, Rafael Ordunia. I've been having allergies ever since I was a little kid, which is uh, roughly started about when I was about 12. It's weird because before then, you know, I was always outdoors, loved playing baseball out in the heat. And then when I was around 12 years old, my mom took me to the doctors. I wouldn't stop sneezing. And uh, dude said, well, here, take this, uh, take this nasal inhaler. And that pretty much kind of started my whole life to, uh, to being addicted to every single allergy medication known to man that has ever come out, as far as I was concerned. Now, going into puberty is hard enough with, you know, I already had my allergies. Then I had braces. Then when I was 13, had the glasses come on. And my old man, just to save some money, went to a friend of his who was just happened to, you know, sell glasses and he got me these gold-rimmed, square, like, 1983 glasses. Oh, no, it gets better. They were tinted red. Because apparently that, that you know, I don't know why. Maybe there was a, you know, closeout sale or something. So that's how I spent a lot of my puberty, uh, puberty times. And uh, seriously, I was, how, how, I didn't, uh, how I didn't get better grades in school is beyond me, you know what I mean? I mean, I looked the part, but I, I wasn't smart enough to be a nerd. So, um, so when I went into high school, I was able to, get, uh, able to get contacts after begging my dad and wanted to be like my cousin Chris, who was this big 6'2", you know, 225-pound linebacker, had green eyes, all the girls all over him. So I thought maybe that would work for me. So I got the contacts, couldn't do much about the braces, had the allergies under control. Everything was cool. Now, every spring break, my cousins and, you know, a couple of friends that we would drag along, we would go down to the beach one of my uncles had a house about three blocks from the beach, from the beach in uh, Port Aransas, Texas. So, you know, nice place. Now, the adults would, uh, would do this one thing where one night they would chip in for all the booze. You know, they would chip in for all the booze. So we'd have two ice chests full of beer, wine coolers, liquor, whatever. The only rule was the older crowd takes care of the younger crowd. So... If some of, us, uh, some of us younger guys were having a little bit too much, you know, the older cousins who were in college, so they knew a thing or two about, you know, regulating their alcohol intake, <laughs> they would make sure we'd keep it in check. Well, this girl that I had a crush on, her name was Christina, she just happened to be one of the, uh, one of the non-family members that was there with us, you know. It's, it's one of those things, you know, everybody knows everybody in my hometown, so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the adults would get together and, of course, you know, kids would come along. So we're all there partying downstairs, having a good time, and then, uh, you know, got to go get some burgers. The island only has one place, and it's called Waterburger, which is, you know, the Texas equivalent of In-N-Out, some of y'all know. Pretty good stuff. So naturally, yeah, rule number one, older crowd takes care of the younger crowd. We're all drinking, and uh, we go driving anyway. So we go to this place, and I'm sitting there, eating a burger with fries, 
Had some booze in my system. Of course, I'm 15, 16, I think. You know, I know everything there is to know about drinking. And this girl, Christina, is sitting right in front of me. So I'm trying to put my game on as best I can with a double cheeseburger in my hand. And I feel my nose starts to tingle a little bit. Even in my drunken state, I know that, you know, I know this is bad news. My allergies are starting to act up. Crap. So nonchalantly, I get up, go to the restroom, blow my nose, you know, do a little, do a little quick uh, splash in my face, you know, water splash in my face, look in the mirror, everything's cool, everything's great, you know. Go back outside and uh, continue, continue eating. So start taking a bite. I get this nice big chunk of meat in my mouth. It's freaking awesome. I feel that tingle again. Only this time it's worse. It's the sneeze that's coming. Now I'm drunk. 15 years old. But uh, even, even with uh, you know, my subpar cranial powers, I can figure two and two together and something's coming out of somewhere. So... I start chewing as fast as is humanly possible <laughs> to get this stuff just, ah, you know, so I can at least cover my mouth or something. I don't know, but a second later, it just, it's coming. So I bite down, I clench as hard as I can, and I sneeze. And the biggest snot saucer link known to man, it, you know, comes out flying. It shoots out of both nostrils. How it connected in midair, I have no idea. But it does. But it does, and it's spinning, and it lands and just magically coats her entire batch of fries. And, of course, you know, she just screams out, Gross! And, yeah, yeah needless to say, uh, we, we never dated. Uh, that was it. Next up, Lisa Curry. I don't embarrass easily, but one thing that I've always been really self-conscious about is my teeth. Uh, This is because my parents have horrible teeth, I genetically have horrible teeth, and I'm from a hick town, so everyone I know has no teeth. Um, So when I was like 15, I think, I was at my friend's house, we were in her basement, and she had like the typical like cement floor, and they had a pool table, and we were playing pool, and they had her parents... Oh my god. They ha- they like to keep the pool the cue sticks laying um on the ground so they wouldn't bow like and they were too cheap to get a thing to put them in. So we're playing pool and we're fucking around and they have like this giant weight machine and I turn around and I'm laughing and I step on a bunch of <laughs> cues and they go f- rolling forward coasting and I smack my face into the uh weight machine and it busts out my front tooth. And I start, I was like, I just, I was like, oh shit. And my friend Jen was like, oh my God, what happened? I was like, and it just spit out my tooth. So I, I'm missing most of my front tooth. It's Friday. The, I can't get to the dentist until Monday. So I'm going around the entire weekend with just a piece of a tooth, just hanging there, which is bad enough. So I get it, fit, like, it's a joke. I kind of, like, try to make light of it. I'm like, I have no tooth, you know, like. <laughs> I went out in public a lot that weekend. Um, but fast forward, uh, to, I, get it, I get it taken care of. Fast forward to when I'm 19. I'm working in a nightclub. I think I'm so fucking cool. Uh, I'm working the door, and uh, what was at the time the love of my life, 
that uh, I never dated, worked at the nightclub. This this bartender at the night, this bartender Mike that I was obsessed with for a really long time. Uh, his dad was a security guard there because they were both low lives. So I was um, I. I was I got to work one day and I had gone to Panera Bread never again and I bit into this fucking sandwich and the front of my tooth broke off and I was like fuck and I went to my manager and I was crying and I was like I gotta go home my tooth and he laughed in my face and he's like we have nobody else to work the door you're staying here um, too bad so I was like I'll just kind of stick it on there and hope it stays <laughs> so I'm working the door <laughs> Later that night, and I'm standing there talking to Mike's dad. <clears throat> he says something funny, and I laugh, and I... <laughs> I feel my tooth fly out of <laughs> my mouth. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I look, and I see, like, my tooth just sitting <laughs> on the carpet. And he's still talking. He's oblivious. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. So there's nothing going on, nothing happening. So I just get out of my seat, and I was like, oh, there's a thing over there. And I, <laughs> I ran over, and I, like, awkwardly pick up this piece of tooth. <laughs> and I was like this. And then I'm like, I kind of hide it behind my back, and I'm looking. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, there was a thing on the floor. And he's like, Lisa, you're losing your fucking mind. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I turn around and just kind of, like, stick my tooth back. <laughs> and I was like, anyway, continue your story, continue. So I get that. F- oh shoot! So I get that fixed. That was three. Ish. Um, I get that fixed. Uh, fast forward to just a few years ago. Uh, I was at my friend's, getting ready to go out for my friend's bachelorette party. For those of you that know her, Amber Bomanot, uh, Michael Bomanot's wife. Uh, we were sitting at her house eating cheese and crackers, like getting ready to go party. And I bite into a cracker, and there goes my fucking tooth. <laughs> and I'm like, "You have got to be kidding me." And so I was like, hey, Amber, I was like, do you have some super glue? And she's like, no, for what? And I was like, my tooth just came out. And uh, they still all make fun of me. And now I feel like I'm just kind of biding my time for my tooth to fucking come flying out. (laughs) Again. Um, So that's it. Thank you. (laughs) And finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. One of the things I'm absolutely fascinated with is when I start to hit the ages that I remember my parents being at certain points in my life. Uh, Right now I'm 41 years old, and at this point in her life, my mother had a 14-year-old child, and to my knowledge, I do not. (laughs) So my my last story of courage is something that she had to do that was against every instinct that she had, but she had to do it for her son. I never thought I would be one of these guys. I would ever get to a point in my life where I'd be this guy where I say something like this. In my day, we didn't have internet. And if you wanted to get something in media, you only had one opportunity to get it is when it was aired or published. In September of 1985, there was a duel between Playboy and Penthouse for who was going to release the first Madonna pictures from, when, from 1978, from when she posed nude, when she was bushier and arm-haired. <laughs> I wanted to see this magazine so badly it hurt. 
I talked about it. And if you get this Simpsons reference, I was Bart and Lisa saying, can we go to Mount Splashmore, Dad? Can we go to Mount Splashmore, Dad? Can we go to Mount Splashmore, Dad? Over and over. I wanted this thing so badly, but my mother raised me right. I wasn't going to steal it. I wasn't going to solicit someone's help to go buy it for me. I thought the proper channels would be to get my mother to buy it. (laughs) Very brief account of my mother. When she was growing up for a long time, her career aspiration was to be a nun. She met my father, dropped that idea. They were married for 14 years. And then once he left, when I was 10, she became a nun again. She never had sex again in her life. Sex was a taboo subject in our house. But for this woman, whose son wanted this Playboy so badly, and my father lived states away so she couldn't pawn it off on him, that she had to help him in his growth, even though she didn't want to. But I finally convinced her. And she told me about this later, and this it always makes me laugh uh, because we talked about this for years and became an inside joke between us that she relented and one afternoon after work she went to a 7-Eleven, waited patiently in line and very prim and properly went up to the counter and said one Playboy magazine please (laughs) he put it in a bag she took it, came home and like a dog waiting to hear his owner I was at the door, really excited because I knew today was the day I was getting it. And she walked in, slammed the magazine against my chest, walked to her room, and closed the door for an hour. A few days later, we're sitting at the dinner table. And what are you doing later? Oh, I'm going to watch television. I'm probably going to read. Um, And I said, I'm going to go to my room. And she said, I bet I know what you're going to do when you're in there. And I responded with, don't ever speak of this again. (laughs) And many years later, we did. Thank you very much. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers, Rafael Ardunia and Lisa Curry. Also thanks to Johnny Archer, Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, the Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Because It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on the Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. While on iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. The more comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes, plus, oh, it appeases my staunch desire for approval and acceptance. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Because It's True is every other Monday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood located on Historic and Hellscaped Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage, and from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGeehan. Thanks for listening. You have received this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.